Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I am the host of Fides Podcast. Who am I? I'm just a guy interested in speaking the truth. What does Fides mean? I'm sure that that's what you were thinking. Fides is Latin for faith, belief, and truth. In this crazy world we live in, I wanted to bring some more truth-telling and education to those willing to listen. I want to discuss and debate those that have different beliefs so that we can understand each other and all of you can hear two perspectives. But there is only one truth, only one fides, and that is what you will find. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to Fides Podcast. Again, this is Jerry Serino. Uh, you can reach me at jerry at fidespodcast.com. That's jerry at fidespodcast.com. Uh, I have two guests today. This is the second time I've had uh, two guests on the line at the same time. Um, the, my guests are, um, are, are individuals who work with or for an organization called Students for Life of America. It's a really great organization that I just got to know a little bit. Um, but I, the reason I came across these two individuals is that I saw some articles that they had both written for the organization Students for Life of America. And uh, I read them and was really intrigued by them and thought that they would make great guests. So um, my first guest is Brenna Lewis. Brenna, thank you for being here. Thanks so much. And you are you work full time for Students for Life. Is that that's correct, right? Correct. Yeah, I've been with them almost five years now. Okay, great. And what do you do? What's your your role there? I am the staff writer and editor. So I do a lot of their blogs, edit pretty much everything that we put out, and it's basically my dream job. Excellent. Great. Great. And then my second guest is Lily Gilliland. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Lily? you got it. I got it right. Okay. Um, and uh, Lily is is a, a college student who is uh, headed towards the end of her college career, headed towards law school, it looks like. Lily, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, so let's, let me start with, with you, Brenna. Um, your article was called Margaret Sanger's Very Racist Buddy. Lothrop Stoddard. Um, what was intriguing to me was not only the the essence of the article, but um, that I had never heard of him. I mean, first of all, I want to find out who his parents are that named him Lothrop. That's my first question. <laughs> but you know, tell me tell me a little bit about him um, and and how you came to know about him. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The fact that so many people haven't heard of him, and that was a big. Um, purpose of writing the article in the first place. So Lothrop, <laughs> as you pointed out, his name is very strange, mm -hmm. um, but he was kind of Margaret Sanger's right-hand guy, um, you know, back in the 1920s and 30s. He helped found Planned Parenthood. He was a founding board member of Sanger's um, American Birth Control League, which is what Planned Parenthood kind of started as. And he was, I mean, to put it very accurately, he was kind of a genocidal madman. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote terrible books about racial hierarchy and white supremacy. Um, he had like a ranking of all the races. It was some really, really dark eugenic stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, the, you know, the one thing that uh, is, is kind of uh, sort of highlighted 
is uh, his influence on the Nazis. Um, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize the influence that a lot of Americans had on the Nazi ideology. I think if you're familiar with Dinesh D'Souza, who's written a mm-hmm. lot about um, the connections of the two, um, t- tell me if you can briefly a little bit of a background on his connection with the Nazis and or theirs with him, I guess. Yes, that was actually something um, the the president of Students for Life, Kristen mm-hmm. Hawkins, is real fired up about Lothrop and how, you know, a lot of the pro-life movement and the, the pro-choice side don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, so I actually learned about the Nazi connection while I was writing this. I didn't even know that. And I've been doing this, you know, I'm only 26, but I've been doing this, you know, since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his work, or um, what is it? His book, of course, it's a German word, Untermensch. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, how, yeah, how they translated it over there. Yep. It means subhuman, right. and it was, you know, widely read by those in the Nazi party, and that's what introduced them to that entire concept of having a, a race or multiple races that were inferior. Um, and, the, you know, the fact that this American guy, you know, gave, gave that idea to the Nazis that obviously turned into something, you know, so the world has hardly ever seen anything as horrible as they did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he met with Hitler himself. He, he, you know, went to Germany and he was treated like a king over there. It's just, it's just some ugly, ugly stuff. Yeah. And it, and it is truly amazing that, um, that we didn't hear about him. I mean, I feel like I, you know, pretty knowledgeable about this stuff and I had never heard of him. So, um, that, that's great. And thanks for writing about him. Just, a, as a, is it one of the quotes you have here, you talk about him being a true white supremacist. Um, who focused his energies on the dangers posed by colored people to white civilization, right? He believed the Nordic Mm -hmm. race was superior to all others and should be kept dominant through the use of eugenics. And, um, you know, if, if I read you that quote, to, to a random person, they would, they would probably say, well, that's oh, yeah, Hitler. You'd be in trouble just for quoting him on it. <laughs> right, right, right. If you, you would think it was Hitler who said it, but if you said I it know. just as a normal person, people, you know, you, of course you'd be branded a racist and rightfully so. Um, those are horrible things. And, but yeah, he was, he was Margaret Sanger's, um, very racist buddy, as you, as you indicated. <laughs> so Lothrop Stoddard, R L O T H R O P Stoddard, um, and you could find this on um, Students for Life if you want to read the whole article. It was really good. You have some quotes in here from him, um, you know, that he specifically said and, and very, very well documented. So uh, this was great. Yeah, if you want to have nightmares, read some of his books. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I can't imagine even doing that. And I, have you done that? Have you read any, you know, you obviously probably read a little bit more than, well, most of us. You know, I read, thankfully, some some other people have gone through at length and pulled out the real, you know, the real red meat stuff out of it, and especially in the rising tide of color against white world supremacy. That's the one everybody mm-hmm. uh, kind of quotes the most. And that's where I, I put three quotes in this article that are just just awful. And they're all from that same book. Yep. Yep, absolutely. No, I read them and I have them here. I'll, I'll leave it for people to, you know, who, who are intrigued to to look into the article and read a little bit more. Um, yeah, but that's, uh, that's great. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So 
thanks for writing this. This was this was really good. And I think um, you know when 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 people think about you know Black Lives Matter, which is a term that's being used a lot today, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, these are the individuals, the founders of Planned Parenthood. Quite frankly, people who were in the Democrat Party back then, and these were the types of beliefs that they had, and the re- one of the reasons they pushed for abortion so hard. So yeah, he was very widely read, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is very scary back then. He was required reading for the KKK. Yeah, right, right, right. And and yeah, and, and Margaret Sanger attended KKK rallies and things like right. that. But right, um, they Planned Parenthood has had a harder time covering up her, you know, kind of history, but yeah. heck of a time covering up Lothrop's, given that none of us have ever heard of him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I the New York Planned Parenthood. I don't know if you know the the New York State. They actually, I think, uh, finally admitted. Uh, yes. Margaret Sanger. Yeah. Their yeah. Uh, their CEO got busted for all kinds of bad behavior mm-hmm. by its over 300, you know, employees and supporters. So with that pressure, they've they had to change the Margaret Sanger Health Center into yeah. something else. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. About time. Yeah, about time for sure. Um, so, Lily, uh, I wanted to uh, sort of end with your article uh, because while uh, your article has a little bit more of a sort of rainbow at the end, um, to be honest with you, because um, it, it has a good positive turnaround. So your um, your article is called Crash Course, History of Suffrage, Feminism, and the Pro-Life Movement. Um, give me, a, you know, just a quick, you know, 30-second rundown of your article and how you came about to write it. Yeah, so this article um, kind of takes place, it starts... It was very crash course, very brief history, starting with first wave feminism um, and talking about the suffragettes and their view of feminism, suffrage, and the pro-life movement. And that first wave feminism was really the first installation of um, feminism as we know it today. So they... they, talked about issues such as temperance, Mm -hmm. abolition, women's right to vote, and opposition to restalism, which is the opposition to abortion. And uh, after that, about 40 years after the ratification of the 19th Amendment, there was, which was in 1920, um, in the 60s, there was the Women's Liberation Movement, which Mm -hmm. was the second installation of feminism. And that kind of talked about unequal pay, sexism, workplace discrimination for women. And that's when abortion kind of started to get its, um, started to gain traction uh, politically and Mm -hmm. kind of became a tool of politics, I would say. Yeah. And then finally, where we are today in third wave feminism, that abortion is like at the heart of it. And you can't call yourself a feminist if you are against abortion mm-hmm. and people who are pro-life feminists such as myself were not accepted into that feminist movement because we see that true feminism protects life and protects women as women mm-hmm. rather than destroying life and and that kind of thing so yeah. no uh, it, it was actually you know, again I, I learned a lot from as i mentioned about brenna's article uh, first, just the word rustalism. I had mm-hmm. no idea what that meant, and it means abortion. So they started off being opposed to it, and certainly all the 
you know, all the things that women fought for were very, very good by yes. and large, you know, you know, the right to vote, equal treatment mm-hmm. under the law and things of that nature uh, are certainly very good. But um, it always seems like the left kind of wrestles away, uh, <laughs> wrestles things away from from goodness. But um, mm-hmm. so just as uh, we learned about Lothrop, um, we have another gentleman that you introduced who has a little bit more of a normal name. Um, Bernard Nathanson was also someone I had not heard of. And again, not that I studied these things that deeply, but um, tell me about about um, Bernard Nathanson. Yes, I think, I think this is a really fascinating story. He was an abortionist in the in the 70s and he performed countless abortions and was so flippant flippant and just very pro-abortion he actually was one of the founding members of what we know today to be NARAL Mm -hmm. and he started this organization it's a pro-abortion activist organization which was one of the really heavy hitting um kind of research organizations that led to the passing of Roe versus Wade. And um, the interesting thing about this is the statistics that he used to really push Roe through and make it more palatable to the public eye, mm-hmm. those statistics were falsified. And um, they were statistics about how needed abortions are and how many back alley abortions were taking place, which he used to kind of promote the idea that, oh, women are going to have abortions anyways, might as well just make it safe and, and, um, uh, safe and, um, what are they, what are they? Well, I've heard Hillary Clinton call it safe, legal, and rare, but but something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Safe and legal and like access to it. So, but those numbers were completely, completely falsified and, he um, later revealed this when he had a pro-life conversion. Mm-hmm. So later on in his abortion career, he uh, committed a, an ultrasound-guided abortion. And at the time, in the early 70s, abor- uh, ultrasound technology wasn't mm-hmm. as widespread as it is now. Yeah. And at that point, he said that he completely changed his mind on abortion, seeing that there is something there and that something is a life and upon committing the abortion, that life is no longer there. Right. Yeah. It, it was incredible. Cause again, I had never heard of him and for someone, you know, this wasn't someone else saying, Hey, his statistics were wrong. This is him saying mm-hmm. his own statistics were wrong and that he falsified them. It wasn't just that it was miscalculation or, a bad study, you know, statistically. No, he falsified information to push mm-hmm. something through. Um, and then he, ev- he he became very, very pro-life, actually, right? And, yes. Um, he, he, is it a movie or is it a book called The Silent Scream? Is it a movie? He, he made a movie. Yeah. And okay. wrote, wrote several books on the, the abortion and how mm-hmm. detrimental it is to society. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's incredible. And that's why, um, you know, you know, looking at him and seeing that you do have people that once 
oftentimes once they see the reality of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, they change. You look at people like Abby Johnson, uh, who, who worked at, at Planned Parenthood and, and, you know, had a conversion in the same way. Um, you know, just your general thoughts you kind of had mentioned about feminism and, you know, you you hear about women's marches and things like that, and I always think like, well, wait a minute, they don't speak for all women, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know. So again, the the left seems to hijack um, good good causes. Um, something you mention in here is is again something that, and it seems like all these horrible things tend to get covered up. Isn't that interesting? But you talk about um, the Virginia governors. It's Governor Northam, and this mm-hmm. was just what a year ago that this occurred. Yes, this was he... this was so recent. It was yeah. so disheartening. Mm-hmm. So I'm just you know for those many listening might remember or know exactly what we're talking about, but in, um, I'll just read specifically what he said. And he he said in regards to um, abortion, the third trimester abortions are done in cases where there may be severe deformities. There may be a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physician and the mother. So they're talking about you know, killing or allowing the baby to just die after it was born. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous and barbaric. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's in you know something like that to me should be something that should disqualify a person from even being in a leadership position, um, and instead he wasn't. It was it was you know certainly it was known, but it was largely ignored. Um, just as the selling of baby body parts uh, that that undercover operation. Um, was out there, but it was very quickly ignored. And as a matter of fact, um, our current vice presidential candidate was the one who pursued charges against the people that took the videos, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Not the individuals who were buying and selling body parts, um, but uh, <laughs> but the people who did the videos. Unbelievable. Um, but I think, thankfully, it, it was just in the news as President Trump signed an executive order uh, in regards to babies born alive, right? That's correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I heard that for sure. Yeah, it was just recent. So um, our, um, I'll, I'll uh, ask you f- first, and then I'll go to Brenna in a second. Art, Lily, are you working on any other articles or that you might be posting or that anyone could look for? Yeah, there will be a... Th- uh, I did a series of four, and so this is the first of that four, and they'll be posted, I think, about every week. Okay, that's great. So um, people can, will will it be on the uh, Students for Life website? Okay, and you could also find Students for Life, by the way, on Facebook. They have a great Facebook page, uh, and you'll you'll be sent uh, the articles as they come out. Uh, so, So please look for Lily and her articles. Do you know when the next one's coming, Lily? Actually, Brenna would know that. Okay. She's, she's the one who yeah. uh, posts them and everything. So. Okay. I'm going to go to Brenna. Um, 
Brenna, um, thanks for being on hold there for a second while we were we were talking to Lily. Uh, so, um, so just to, if you if you heard, do you have a an idea? And it's okay if you don't know when Lily's is coming out. Yes, uh, I am the poster, and I'm posting the next one tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so you could, if you're interested, it'll be so. This is being recorded, so tomorrow would be. Um, so nine to nine twenty five would would be Friday, um, but this is going to be posting. You know, people can listen anytime. So um, if you're listening to this, it's already been posted. So go ahead and look for it on Students for Life. And Brenna, are you you have anything coming out or anything coming soon? I write at least three a week, if not okay. more. Wow. So, so going... <laughs> if you scroll to the bottom and you see my name, you'll <laughs> you'll know. Okay, so there's plenty plenty to look at. So again, plenty to look at. Yeah, so again, you can find Students for Life um, on uh, on Facebook, and and you you could also have uh, the website as well, uh, studentsforlife.org, right? Slash yes. blog if you want to skip. <laughs> okay. Skip to the good part. <laughs> okay, studentsforlife.org slash blog and you can Correct. get all sorts of stuff so uh, I want to thank uh, both Brenna Lewis and Lily Gilliland for for first for writing these articles uh, well actually for first being involved in the life issues as you are, both are uh, for also for writing the articles and for coming on my podcast I really appreciate it um, so I uh, want to thank you both very much and again everyone you know if you want to be involved, if you're a college student or even right after or you're headed to college next year and you want to be involved in this, you can be involved in your local campus or, your, you know, in your area, or you can certainly get involved in any way um, you feel comfortable and you can go to their, their site, uh, but certainly look them up and read their articles. They're very, very good. Um, I, I continue to read others, by the way, and I'm like, boy, I, we could do an episode every day um, on these articles. So um, we could talk about it just that much. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, thank you both very, very much. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you, and um, look forward to more of those articles. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. It was fun talking. Great. Thank you.